Welcome to issue 179 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here, we take a good look at the most critical piece of the game, obviously the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet. As well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And joining me tonight is Steve, Daniel, and Mike. Well, wasn't that a nice intro? Thank you, Anthony. Thanks, Anthony. Yeah, that is our greenhouse keeper for our poison and toxic plants. Reading our intro. Uh, that was awesome. Thank you very much. Might be the last time he does that based on you know his job. Yeah, we still haven't got any gloves for him. I feel bad. So Well they are expensive and you gotta get the right kind. Yeah. Is it bad if the next person we give a job to is the same job? <laughs> well, it's not bad. It's simply telling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see what the turnover's like, right? Well, the pay is really good, though. So yeah. It's going to inspire people, you know, to want the job. Well, I, we have some other options, too, out there. Mm. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> heartwarming read. <laughs> I could talk about our minions all night, but let's let's ask Daniel what is on his mind Ooh. tonight. So, uh, Daniel, what, what's yeah. on your mind tonight? Steve found this in a box in the attic labeled Future Villain Moss Decorations. Remember, remember when we were hunting for our escape pet mongoose, Carl? Yes, yes. And you remember what ha- Mike, you remember what happened to Carl, yeah? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I saw what happened. Yeah. Um, well, so he grew to have, I guess, super marsupial intelligence. He picked the lock in his cage. Well, that's another story for Steve to tell. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have time for that tonight. So all this to say, I apologize that we haven't read this five-star review before because it's kind of old, guys. Um, It's it's weirdly dated. Look at the date. The date says five no, it says 1205-2023. So in America, where we live, that's actually a date that hasn't happened yet. Right. But everywhere else in the world, now maybe Canada doesn't do this. Maybe it does, Mike. I don't know. Everywhere else in the world goes day, month, year. Oh, yeah. We're part of the everywhere else in the world. We, okay. Yeah, we, make, we make fun of you, too. Okay, good. Thank you. So you do metric dating as well? All right. Yes. So... My guess is that this <laughs> isn't that old, Steve, but that we live in, you know, since we live in the greatest country in the world, Steve, that does everything right. It's weird, uh-huh. though. I found an email prior to May. Like, I had to go way back. All of a sudden, this came up. I don't know. It's uh, There's something well, goofy here. Time there's something stuff, goofy about time this. Stuff. Okay. And, and Marvel, if it's taught us anything, yeah, time stuff. Yeah. Time stuff. Okay. Okay. So, so back from May May twelfth, uh, maybe it could be either from May twelfth or it could be from about six months from now. I I like the future. So yeah. this is the future, and in the future, our dear friend and listener Ray Raimondo gave us a five star review. Would you like to hear it, gentlemen? No. I no. Okay. Well, no. I'll Who put it know? back in the box. We'll read it in six months. <laughs> no. God. Maybe. We'll oh, read okay. It okay. 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 This one is called Great Title. Critical acclaim. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ray Raimondo says this. 
immensely enjoyable show for those who love the living card game and characters of Marvel. Steve, Daniel, and Mike explore in depth the inner machinations of the villains and counter sets, whilst at the same time making the show fun, informative, and entertaining. Having become a Marvel Champions player, or card game player in general, only a few months ago, it's great to find a podcast where it sounds as if you're in the room with these guys, enjoying the things they do, and sharing the fandom. Keep up the great work. Oh, Ray Romano, that was lovely. Thanks, Thank you so much. Steve, awesome. is that Ray? Ray Ray? I mean, Ray Ray Mondo, but... Oh, it could be Ray from Down Under. Uh, Started the game the, a few months ago. Like the Moon Knight podcast that would explain the date. That would. Okay. And science, I think science has proven that the Southern Hemisphere is about six months ahead of us. That's <laughs> how it works. Okay. I am so <laughs> right, you fly south long enough, you go forward in time, yeah? yeah? Okay. I feel like I heard that somewhere. Oh, but that is a beautiful, beautiful review. Thank you so much, Ray Raimondo. Yes, thank you. And he even says our name in uh, what I would call rank order, so I appreciate that. Oh. Hey. Yeah, I'm first. <laughs> or is it last to first? Uh, yeah, who knows? <laughs> Daniel's sitting pretty right yeah. in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what are we doing tonight? Because uh, I don't think we've given the listeners any hints. No, no. we haven't. Nada. So what we are going to do is one of our supervillain roundtables, number eight. Number eight. Number eight. So this is uh, a general show. We're going to talk about the RRG. We're going to talk about Errata. We're going to talk about State of the Game. We're going to answer some listener questions. Mm. Is there going to be a cameo? There is going to be a cameo. We have somebody... That we took over to Spot World, and we had a nice interview with, and we will drop that in. We'll drop a spot in a little later. Oh, and I like that. Yeah, so stay tuned. You want you want to stick around for that? I don't know if we're going to spoil who it is or not. So just just listen. Stay, stay Sorry, listen. he won't go away. He's stuck there. Yeah, yeah. And then after all of that, we have a contest, and we'll tell you how to participate in that contest right at the end. Nice. Contests yeah. are good. This one is pretty juicy, too. Yes. The prize. So the RURG 1.5, Steve, what what happened in that? What were the noteworthy changes? Yeah, so that came rules, out. To our beloved rules. Right. That came out somewhat recently. For us, hmm. this is fairly recent, right? Um, you want to know, what are the bombshells, right? What, what are the, the bombshells? bombshells? Yeah, well, let's, let's talk about the big changes <laughs> and how they, how they shift this game around. Okay, the best one is we got some villain love, okay? They've, mm-hmm. They have eroded this. They finally got it right. They have corrected their blatant ignorance and shameful actions <laughs> against our beloved minion, Modok, and they have finally spelled his name right, adding in the periods between each of the letters in his oh, name. Oh, nice. Yeah. Now, nice. we all allowed them to take a Sharpie to our cards. Yeah, put a little dots okay. in. Boop, put a little dots in. Thank goodness. I've been like, huh been waiting years to be able to do that guys i think that's really the big one but there are a few other ones that i guess maybe we should talk about i mean there's the one that we made happen yeah we'll take credit for that even it's, though if it wasn't us right no, it was us but let's talk about it at the end because it was us i okay. mean that's clear a clear token of our celebrity what you're talking about mike but can i ask a question you guys have seen the new Quantumania or whatever right the ant-man i have yep. not oh steve wasn't modok disturbing Oh my goodness, yes. Like, I really couldn't watch, like, 
I went with my daughter who's never seen a Marvel movie. <laughs> and and they, so there I am. And and she and I it was like late enough in it that like she and I were the only ones in the theater and we're watching Modoc and she's like, That that's just creepy. It doesn't look right. And I'm like, yeah. you know, I don't know how they could have done it other but it was yeah. bizarre and grotesque. And like I like I rely on my Disney to get certain things right. And boy. Modoc was a big miss. Face to face. That's a face. It's a big face. Why are you just a floating head? You left Darren to die in the quantum realm, but the Conqueror found me. Made me the ultimate weapon. A mechanized organism designed only for killing. Modoc. It's an acronym. Mechanized organism designed only for killing. Just now noticing the baby legs. They're not baby legs. It's a little bit like a Bjorn. Uh. Oh, yeah, I, I see this. The way, uh, the way that it's just—it's nightmarish. It's hot. It, yeah, but if you look at his art, normal, he has just a giant head with these little tiny limbs. I get I it. They did a pretty good job of that. So. But there was something about like the fuzziness of it and the stretchedness of his like. Yeah, it was definitely weird. Yeah, yeah. So that's when Lorna and I would just sort of look down and eat popcorn or something. <laughs> It's probably better for your sleeping habits if you don't look yeah. too long at the yeah. duck. It was it was pretty gross. Anyway, sorry for that aside. Keep yeah. keep going. What were the other big changes here? Okay, so we've got an important change. Um, they kind of changed some of the. There was always a rule that was like, if you're going to play an action, it has to change the state of the game, and then there's some debate mm. on what that means. So now they just made it that you have to have a valid target if you're going to perform an action. Mostly, it's common sense. You can't deal damage to a minion if there are no minions. Etc. Right. You can't. There's no threat out. That kind of thing. So, in what way was that being abused? I don't know if it was. I think it was mostly clarification. Okay. Because there was some confusion on it. Because, because you can get rid of your cards whenever you want anyway. So it's not like you're trying to clear your hand, right? Like, right, right. So I don't really understand that one. I was confused by it. Yeah, I think they were avoiding another you argument, like. What does it mean um, to change the game and then 10 pages of what it, what constitutes a change <laughs> and what doesn't? Right. I see. Yeah. So now it's it makes sense, right? You have to have a target to perform the action, except, except oh. because there's always a good exception to any rule. Uh, you don't necessarily need a valid target if you're mm. attempting to simply clear a status card. So you can always thwart or attack, even if you don't have a target for that, if you are stunned or confused. Because oh. the stun and the confused cards are sort of the target for it, right? I okay. I'm glad they said that. I, I would have assumed that anyway. Like you can just punch the air to get rid of stunned. I always thought and all that, but okay, right? Yeah, it's good. To, it's good to say that, but because that actually does change the game state, though. So they right. almost yeah. didn't need to clarify it, but I guess it's good they did. Yeah. So, uh, all right. but part of that change has almost sort of. I guess it has technically broken She-Hulk's superhuman strength card. Oh. Have you seen this floating around out there at all? No. No. I, okay. So I don't necessarily approve of these heroes cheating because they are now oh. really cheating. So because, <laughs> because you have to have a valid target uh-huh. for the, the whole card to resolve, this is a arrow issue. Okay, after oh, She-Hulk, this, oh, is, no. this is She-Hulk's thing. She gets plus two attack as a, as a constant ability. And then her force response is after She-Hulk attacks, discard superhuman strength, arrow, stun the attacked enemy. So 
you if the enemy is already stunned you do not have a valid target to stun something because it's already stunned so you don't have to do the whole action which means you don't have to discard her superhuman strength it's this weird it's this weird i can't do it so i don't have to kind of thing here's the thing that really needs to be clarified they should say that that things can have multiple stuns and confusions because they already did by making things steady. Yeah. And right. Like, and so, so then this cheaty hero thing actually is worse if something is steady because she actually does have a valid target. So what they should say is you can have as many things as stun and confusion or whatever as you want. And they all clear at the same time when one, when one clears, they all clear because that's just too weird to make that a cheaty thing. Yeah, I think like, against a, a steady hero, this would be fine because you could give them the second card and then you'd clear it. Right, but so against the stalwart it... hero, or I'm sorry, against the stalwart villain, you can't stun it, you can't have the card, so you can't perform the action after the arrow, which means you don't so do that. you will get a permanent plus two attack? Plus two attack against a, a stalwart villain, yes. How many of those does she have? Two, right? Uh, yeah, two. So she gets a permanent plus four attack. Right, because the upgrade itself doesn't say limit one per yep. character. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of, it's one of those things where you should just play it with the intention of the card, the way yeah. it was originally done yeah. all the way up till now. Um, I did try a deck that utilized this, and it didn't really work anyways. I couldn't get it going. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that is a thing that has, that's that's the one or, little piece of fallout. From or if you're a truly honorable hero, if you only use that card if you can, right? Yeah. So yeah, or you just yeah, discard like it no if, matter what. Yeah. Or or discard it no matter what. Or like you can't even tap the thing if if you're fighting a a villain that can't be stunned. Yeah. Like that, it has to result in a stun. Yeah. It, it it's an odd corner case. It's weird. Yeah. The rules sort of. You know what? Yeah. I feel like that's gonna happen every time, no matter what. And some super nerd out there is gonna find it. And make the deck and play it once and then be like, okay, that was fun. I'm glad I did it, but never do it again. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. All right. There's some other options. There's some other things, too. Uh, they clarified permanent and setup, right? These cards don't count towards your deck size. So there's no more debate on what you do with Wolverine's Claws. Uh, <laughs> you, set, you set everything aside at step one. And then you return them as the very last step. So they'll never end up in your deck. They don't count towards your deck size. That's really nice. So all that debate is gone. Um, that's fairly minor. They also made a minor clarification on the word choose. So if, if a card, like a encounter card, says choose to take one damage or discard a card from your hand, you have to do the one. You have to choose one that you can do completely. If you cannot do either of them completely, you choose the one you can do the most of. Uh, and then okay. you, you, you know, you kind of work your way down. So it's not, it's not insane, but it is a clarification. So here's an interesting one, Mike, uh, attacks against allies. We, we talked about this where you, we were talking about a card that an ally gets targeted for the attack and you could, anyone could block for that ally. What were we talking about? I think it was about who takes the undefended attack damage. I don't, we found some corner case that was odd. Right. So they did clarify attacks against an ally. Uh, let me just read this one because this one's interesting. So the villain attacks an ally. 
so some effects will cause a villain or minion to attack an ally directly. When this occurs, an undefended damage from that attack is placed on the ally that was attacked. Okay. Any boost abilities that refer to you refer to the player who controls the attacked ally. Okay. Hmm. Abilities. So if it's my ally that is being attacked and the boost says you are stunned, my Got identity it. is stunned. Okay? okay. Not the ally, but the hero character. Abilities that trigger when the attacking enemy attacks you do not trigger because he did not attack you, he attacked the ally. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, but it does say players can defend these attacks as normal by declaring a hero or an ally as the defender. So you could jump in the way. And then if the attack has overkill and defeats an ally, whether that ally was the attacked ally or the defending ally, any excess damage from that attack is dealt to the identity of the player who controlled the defeating ally, the defeated ally. Oh, that's new. Yeah. So hmm. if you, if they, let's, we're going into X-Men. Sabretooth attacks Senator Kelly. You defend Senator Kelly with Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl has one hit point left, and there's five overkill damage. That five overkill damage is done to the identity of, right, it's done to me. It's not done to Senator Kelly, which is a little different. So we had thought that overkill would go, we thought that the overkill would go to the ally that had gotten attacked, but really it doesn't. So. Oh, interesting. All right, so there's only there's really only one more update i think that bears any talking about and okay. that's that's this about uh, a defense card okay defense cards always been a sore point here but this one's easy a player can trigger abilities labeled as a defense outside of an attack if the ability's triggering condition is met when triggered this yeah. way the player's identity is not considered to have defended an attack so right off the bat like out of the core uh captain marvel's cosmic flight says hero interrupt when Captain Marvel would take damage, discard cosmic flight, prevent three of that damage. Even though it's a defense, you don't have to oh. be in the middle of an attacker. But you still have there's to There's a lot of cards them. like that, right? And there's a lot of cards when you take damage and stuff like that. So some cards say when you take damage from an attack, they can only be used if you're being attacked. Some right. of them say when you take damage, do this. Okay, so, okay. I gotta have a take a look at this now because how does that impact the preemptive strike ruling. So someone is attacking you. I play preemptive strike on the villain. Oh, you're now the defender. Am I? Yep. If yep. If you that's, take a defense so that's still, action, yep. That part take, hasn't changed. So. Okay. But this okay. is more about like damage you're taking that's not necessarily in an attack or combat, right? Right. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah, I know that's well, that's great. That's I guess that makes sense, but it also keeps you from doing certain things that like needed to be considered an attack for you to do a follow up thing as a hero or something, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just kind of gives um, you a little more options for some of these cards that sure do say defense that can be used outside of an attack if you meet the conditions. So. Right. Where Where does energy barrier fall in that? It's not a defense card. It's not a defense. It's just it's a response to yes. when you take damage, right? So that can be yeah. used whenever in the world, right? Okay. Yeah. Right. That's not impacted. It's only cards that have the defense tag. Okay, awesome. Okay. All right, let's lo- let's roll into errata. You guys want to talk about some of the errata? Is there some of, or there's there one of? Oh, there's there's some of. Okay, then we should do that. But we have to end with you know the critical encounters change change the world errata. All right, so uh, okay. let's look at the first one, Cosmo. Okay. 
we know our, everybody's favorite dog, psychic Russian cosmonaut dog. Yep. Yep. He his ability now only targets the player or encounter deck. It doesn't target special decks, so you can't cheat. Okay. And Good. and just target the invocation deck or the side scheme deck or something like that. Or the storm deck now, yeah, right. Or any deck coming out. So I think that's a good errata. Um, okay. The James Rhodes alter ego identity for War Machine does now say limit once per phase. It always was supposed to. That was just an editing mistake. Okay. Okay. And do you um, want to remind everyone what his alter? Yeah, ego it was shuffle a it was shuffle a War Machine card back into your deck. Okay. And it didn't say limit once per phase. So you could just shuffle everything right back in. <laughs> well, you know, I played a whole campaign as James Rhodes, and I think in my mind I just read it how it was supposed to be because I never yeah. thought to put all my cards back in the deck. Yeah. Um, uh, Steel Fist coming out of Colossus. They removed the little arrow, which helps clarify all the options. It, it, removing the arrow and just making it if then makes much more sense. Okay. Um, do you want to be more specific about that one too? For those of us nope. that maybe haven't memorized, I don't have it memorized. Uh, I didn't write it down. Okay. <laughs> Fair. And it's a hero card. Who knows? We haven't talked about yeah. him yet. We could talk okay. about that around when we get to him. I All guess. Right. All right. Uh, the Miss Marvel ally from the Nova Pack returns a card only from your discard pile. No longer can return a card that has been removed from the game. That was a thing. The- that was a thing. Yeah, the timing was such that yes, but oh, I only see. only because of the next card that Daniel wants to talk about. Right. So they kind of had to errata her because they eroded this next one. And Daniel, I know you really want to talk about no, it. No, so no, no. Mike wants to talk about it. I okay. just wanted to keep it for last because right. it's our celebrity card. So go ahead, Mike. Go oh ahead. yeah, um, go for champions. Because uh, apparently, if you play that, say, every round in the entire campaign of Sinister Motos, uh, you don't take damage. <laughs> right. One could argue it makes the game less fun and interesting. Yeah, which uh, yeah. the other interesting part is that we would have... We took something like 40 damage one turn that uh, we survived we thanks to that card. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A card prevented 40 damage. Yeah, and with all three of us having access to that card in our decks, we Basically, yeah, we had a the, the best shield in the game. Yeah. To be clear, what happens now is you use it and it is removed from the game, which means yeah. Miss Marvel can't recycle it, right? Based on her timing window, and now, you you can't recycle it anyway. Right. So that's now, like, what it also means, and I think they should have further eroded it, and I'll tell you why, because it it still can prevent forty damage, right? I think it should prevent damage to champion heroes not characters i don't know if that changes a whole lot yeah well it changed uh your whole board state mike no i i didn't have champion allies didn't you have 37 champion spiders no they They were champions like i I, whenever that was out i just took everything undefended oh yeah that's true you're right then it wouldn't I mean, it's still super strong, and you can build around it. I mean, three times a game in a game that's going to last seven rounds. So that's, that's um, it's limit one per player. So we, we had three of us. Sure. Three times yeah, a game. Three of yeah. Us. So, yeah. And so we would have easily won just by having it three times. I mean, being able to like line up turns knowing that 40 damage is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You can do all sorts of other bonker stuff. 
not worrying about certain things. You neuter yeah. the villain to such a degree. Yeah. I think I like though now you don't just use it willy nilly. You're like, oh, I've really got to save my timing on this. And in a solo game, it buys you one turn. It's not much different than a tough token, let's say, in a solo game. I mean, maybe because you could be taking a lot of damage. Um, I like that it's removed from the game. It's limit once per deck, and it only works for champions. So it, it's fairly corner case still now. I, they had to have yeah. rotted it. I think that's smart yeah. to have done that. You guys know Maka, right? Maka. Oh, Maka. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he asks us, what other cheaty hero cards should mm. get the go for champions treatment? Oh, so are boy. there is there another hero card that you think should be a use it and lose it like a victory point or remove from the game? Is there something else in there that's super good? I have two. Oh, oh okay. here. Okay. Yeah. Um the first one is rapid response. Not that recurring allies is necessarily a bad thing, but this kind of took it to a whole new level. The idea that you could use up an ally, have them go away, come back immediately and do a thing again is pretty potent and I, I use the peter parker ally to whenever he does something he readies a web warrior so he would give me two readies just by doing something dying coming mm-hmm. back doing something again um that's uh i don't know when that card came out i was already a little uh, i was worn I, I, out from all the maria hill shenanigans and like oh there's yeah. this card now yeah, I was I was leery of that one at first too, and it you know it came out with Black Widow, and it didn't seem that I don't know big of a deal in her deck, right? But right. then the fact that it allows for a repeat of the enters play effects, right, is another thing. So I mean, maybe it's not limit per, maybe it gets the same number of you know copies in a deck, but leaves the game when it's used up or. I don't know. The allies come in with one hit point left or, or come in or, exhausted or, or I don't know. Or come in exhausted would be good. Or maybe it's treated like command center in that there's uses on it and then it's gone from the game and it's limit one per deck, maybe. I don't know. There's ways around it, but Yeah. Or if it yeah. just says that maybe it, it reads that the, the character never leaves play. So like when when the ally would leave play Oh yeah, and they keep don't get it, their entering just play effect. Keep it in play, right? Yeah, like, the damage or something. Yeah. You know, I I don't know exactly know the wording of that, but you know what I mean, right? Like it's yeah, maybe it's just basically gets a bonus hit point for a second. Yep. Um. No, that's good. That's great. Great idea. What's your other? What's your other one? Yeah. Full blast. Mm. This is a Cyclops oh. thing, where mm. for a cost of one. When he triggers his optic blast, it gets plus eight damage, which is a total of eleven damage with overkill. And for one. That's piercing too? Well, if you pay for it using his visor. <laughs> which you have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh. So it really co- it really costs you two because you have to Well, you have to put out an upgrade on an enemy. Oh no, you have to put out a thing that he has in his kit. Right. You have to put out one of those, then you have to pay for the optic blast, then you have to pay for the full blast. You know, I agree with you, Mike. On paper, that looks scary. I have played two games with someone playing Colossus, and I don't think I've ever seen that card game. Cyclops? Or Cyclops, I mean. I don't think I've ever seen that card game. Really? No. Oh, my goodness. I mean, there's only one in in this deck. Yeah, at the in-person game that I played at my friendly local game store, I don't think she did it. 
Oof. Uh, it's it's the piercing too. Oh yeah, I don't know. Because there's a, like a lot of yeah, a lot of setup for it, and there's only one of them. So a lot of times it's a, a card in your hand waiting to be used, and at some point you're like, I can't wait. Really? Because there's setup required. Like you have to have a like, like Steve said, you got to throw a thing down. You got to have the other card. You've got like. I'm okay with the way it the way it's, it is. It's strong. Hey, but what what is what is the exact requirement of it? Does the enemy has to have an upgrade? The enemy has to have one of his upgrades on it. An upgrade on it. Does it and say then, a Cyclops upgrade or an upgrade? No, just, just Cyclops. It's so it's Cyclops' ability. So he has to, uh, yeah, you have to have an upgrade on it in order to use Cyclops's optic blast ability. Spend one resource of any type, deal three damage to an enemy with an upgrade attached. Limit once per round. And then you pay for the full blast to upgrade it to eight damage with overkill. Do the villains have upgrades? No, they have attachments. We have attachments. Okay, but another. Okay. Now, Steve, that's not eleven damage. It takes it from three to eight, right? No, no it adds it's, eight. It's, so it's it adds eight. eight. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's powerful. But like I said, <laughs> I've not seen him use it. I, I don't recall it because I, I feel he would have cheered and and felt great. And I don't remember it happening. I think it requires enough setup that it's. I I don't believe that. Well, I, the fact there's only one in the deck makes it a little better, unless you can somehow go and recur it. So, I mean, she she Hulk has one of her gamma slams in the deck. Yep. It does fourteen and costs three, and doesn't yeah. have overkill and doesn't have piercing. That's why people will say she Hulk's no good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we all know Cyclops was Caleb's favorite uh, X Men, so he's got to put no. something in there. But. I don't, I don't know about that. You know what cards I don't like, and I and I know that there's going to be apologists for it, and you guys played it, or Steve, you did the. I forget the name of it, but it's the one that lets you add up all your traits to do something. Oh, cool! I, I I heard that one. I could tell that was coming. I yeah. hate those cards. And then when I watched yeah. you play like 19 of them in our campaign, as we're not taking damage and you're thwarting for 30 and hitting, yeah, I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> and it came with the character for whom that would be the most useful thing, right? Yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah. Ironheart. Yep. Ironheart. And I was like, oh. this is horrible. What a horrible card. Because <laughs> it's not even expensive. You should see it in uh, Spider Woman. Like two or three. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, because there's one that does damage and the one that thwarts. Oh God, Spider Woman! Yeah, where you're jacking up your stats anyway, and oh, yeah, I don't know. Those cards bother me, and I just because they're they're unlimited in their potency. Like you can't proof them. It's like it's not like add up your stats to a maximum of mm. right. It's and so there's going to be cheaty heroes down the road that can get their stats to bonkers. All right, I, mean, well, even, I mean, even normal characters are six, right? Everyone's just six. Pretty close. For the most yeah. part, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't like those cards. Those are cheaty. I would make sure that those had just a, a limit that they don't go above. And maybe it's right. eight. Well, you want to, do you want to hear my five? Five? Okay. Five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every single one of Doctor Strange's invocation cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a victory point on them, and off we go. We're done. Okay. Well, (laughs) then there's really no point in playing him. That's right. Um, After five rounds, you're done. He can go home. um, Maybe just get rid of his cape. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I 
I don't know. Well, you know, well, I used to make fun of him a lot too, but for being I overpowered, know. I just don't think he is anymore. Yeah. I mean, basically, as Gopher champions in his deck, put three status cards out, three toughs. How about Daniel? How about just Iron Man? When you flip to Iron Man, discard him. It's over. <laughs> All right. Well, that that was the RRG and Arata and a nice question by. Yeah. Okay, Mika. those are good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you, Mega. That's a great question. Um, uh, so the next one, we were asked to rate our campaigns. Mm. So the campaigns are Rise of Red Skull, Galaxy's mm-hmm. Most Wanted, Mad Titan Shadows, Sinister Motives. And we haven't done Mutant Genesis, so we're not going to include that. Oh, and you There's can one more. Mojo, Mojo. Oh, okay. We haven't done Mojo either yet, so let's not no. let's not no, rate no. Mojo. Yet. Okay. We're rating okay. four boxes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. So I, we were just asked to rate them. Nobody asked us what we the criteria was or anything like that. So, okay. uh, Mike, let's start with you. How, what? Are you rating them on? What's your rating system? You know, what are you doing? Oh, we actually have to say our rating system? <laughs> well, your rating <laughs> system could be your level of joy. Okay, level of, level of joy. Um, the, uh, the top of my list is Sinister Motives. Okay. Uh, and then, let's say Mad Titan Shadow, but it's followed very closely by Galaxy's Most Wanted. I do love that campaign box. Okay. Um, and then Rise of Red Skulls near the bottom. Interesting, interesting. Because it uh, it hasn't aged as well. Like even when it came out, it was kind of meh for me. If that's partially theme wise, like I really like the galaxy stuff. I like the Spider Verse stuff. Yeah, um, the mutant box is probably going to rate lower just because of theme. Because I'm just not that into the X Men. Okay. But I also think Here's... Sinister Motives is like the most solid campaign release so far. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Daniel, you have a you have your four rated. Yes. I'll start bottom up. Ooh, okay. So between three and four is a gulf of about 27 kilometers. <laughs> there you go, Mike. Canadian measurements. Do you even know I, how big that is? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like 35 miles. Eight. Okay. Isn't it the other way around? Isn't it like 18 I miles? I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, because if you drive 55 miles an hour, that's 100 <laughs> kilometers in, in the... Yeah, so does your car, Steve, have a kilometer thing on it as well as the miles? It does, yeah. Why? Doesn't it bother you? Like, in case I drive across the border. Right, like it almost forces us to drive to Canada sometime. I mean, we have miles on our cars because we might accidentally drive <laughs> south. <laughs> Avoid the then, fires. Yeah, you'd, be, you'd yeah. be just a mess. All right, um... So I'm sorry. So at the very bottom for me is Galaxy's Most Wanted. I just don't enjoy it. I want to. Um, I think another problem with that box. Can I tell you my main problem with that box? Yeah. That's why we're I here. I don't care for the heroes that came in it. There. I said it. Okay, group. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought that uh, that wasn't exciting for me. Like, Gamora and Star-Lord would have been or something like that. But... Um, that, and I, you know, you got to get a bad taste in your mouth from Ronan. It's just, it's pointlessly hard and, and no fun. Um, Hang on. Let me sharpen my pitchfork. Please do. Please do. <laughs> um, <laughs> then next is Red Skull. I, I like it. I, I am fond of it because it was the first, you know, like, I like that. Okay. Then 
Sinister Motives. Then I really love Mad Titan Shadow. Oh, excellent. I think it's got the twisty poo of Thanos being the third, not the fifth. I think it's got a lot of Norse stuff, and you know I'm into that. Um, I absolutely love how different the scenarios are in terms of their builds and what you're doing. Like, like yes, we've talked about you know some failings and limitations, say with Hela and and stuff like that. But I, even with the stupid Infinity Gauntlet, I like that one the best. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, yeah, makes just, the heart grow fonder hey daniel well no i mean think about it right like the the one with the two the two villains that was great um i think ebony ma is a fantastic starter villain tramping through hella that was awesome but you know yeah drang nebula collector two oh no no. Collector, okay, Collector 2 getting, like, busting out of the museum, great. The other Collector 1, horrible. <laughs> Zero fun had. That's because you like playing stuff. It's difficult. Oh, isn't it sure. weird that in a card game about playing stuff, I want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> Love being disincentivized to do that because that's fun. Oh, you can play oh. it, you just can't lose it. <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah. You wonder why I don't play allies. Yeah, well... You've been you've been burned by the collector, um, yeah. So I there, there was three I think three scenarios in that box where I'm like, this is just no fun. So, yeah. Okay, that's me. Well, let's hear let's hear what Steve has to say. Okay, I'm going to start at the bottom as well, and I'm right there with Daniel. Galaxy's Most Wanted is my number four. So that makes our opinion correct, Steve. Oh my right. gosh. We have to choose the number Who four. Are so you I've, chosen, I've chosen Galaxy's Most Wanted. Now, I really enjoy Rocket. Don't really dig Groot, okay? okay. Um, I do like Drang. I think that's great. Uh, Ronan, I have a bad taste in my mouth with Ronan. And Nebula, too, is very difficult, but can be very fun. She's swingy. Yeah, I still enjoy Nebula, although a lot of people I know don't. I love playing her hero. Yes. She's fun. Yep, yeah. she's fun. Uh, collector two is fine. I like collector two. I don't even mind collector one that much. What rates at number four for me beyond the Ronin piece is I'm not a huge fan of the market. So in yeah, a campaign, no. I just I end up buying the same cards every time I play the campaign. Mm. I don't for whatever reason I get stuck in a rut and I'm I I don't branch out like I should. Um, I that's don't know. So because you don't play Groot. Yeah, that's why I don't play Groot. But I'm but I'm Jing. Um, nice. <laughs> he leaves them in the box. Yes. Oh, nice. These oh, jokes are getting a corny. Um. <laughs> all right. Yeah. No. See, that's a great point about the market. Like it, that is the least fun of all the campaign. Systems. Yeah, for me, right? right? I mean, some people oh, are going right. to love it. Mike likes it. It's great. I I think that speaks well for the game that people can have these different opinions. Well, I disagree uh, with that. But go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number three. <laughs> well, number three, Daniel, is Mad Titan Shadow. Well, that's fair. Okay. okay. So I really love the twist of Thanos being in the middle. I did the campaign itself was fine. You know, hit this thing in game and get this reward. All that was good. Um, I didn't dislike the heroes that came with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and all the villains, I will go back and play those villains. Hella is a lot of fun, whatever. But I'm. It, Mad Titan Shadow hits number three for me with a close runner up for me. B 
being Rise of Red Skull as my number two. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Great. Yeah. So as you can tell, we all have, and so Sinister Motives is my number one. <clears throat> we all have different ratings here, but I think That's I put cool. I put Rise of Red Skull number two, maybe out of nostalgia. Uh, I play Crossbones like crazy. I still really like Crossbones. Red Skull's a lot of fun. Uh, I like the campaign. I, I like the you know get the do the thing, get the reward for later on. Those are it, it plays fine. It still I think it still holds up. You know, Zola is a ton of fun. I also have very fond memories of a song of Zola. Uh, so <laughs> I, I think I think you know Rise of Red Skulls number two, and then that makes Sinister Motives my number one. And that campaign is just really good. I really enjoyed the Web Warriors and the Champion stuff we got. The campaign, the Reputation track, we talked about that all recently. Just that yeah. version of the campaign, I really like the most. So I make that my number one. That's awesome! Fantastic. Yeah, I didn't think about rating them by song that was generated from them. Oh. <laughs> okay, so we have Zola. Just you saying I peaked. Yeah, uh, Mysterio. Oh, that was great. Uh, uh, Born in Denial. Born in Denial. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. And then uh, Loki's back. So, yeah, yeah. I'm and so sorry. Another short, short blip of a song. Mike, what was that one? Oh, we did. Uh, we did the ship command song. Just a uh, yeah. te- teaser for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so that's our campaign ratings. <laughs> Do, uh, hopefully, people will send us their yeah. ratings later. Yeah, on. I, I want that. Hear... I want to hear. I want to peep. I want to hear how people think that I'm right. Because <laughs> I, I bet, Mike, Mike, you know, I love and appreciate you in all ways. I think that you are except my opinion. In Sorry, the minority <laughs> about Galaxy's Most Wanted. I probably am. Yeah, yeah I probably but uh, whatever. That that's going to be most everybody's least favorite campaign. Well, I will sit here in the corner and enjoy it. You're going to be one of those cool kids that was, yeah. Like, yeah. Really knows. Right. Yep. All right. I'll just be hopping back on the bandwagon. That's all right. All right. Go ahead. What's our next question, Steve? Oh, okay. Uh, so we were asked, and I don't know who asked us this. I'm sorry, folks. I didn't write down who actually asked us. But somebody wants to know what was the most successful in quotes encounter we had in this wave or the volume that we're recording, right? Volume four. Our most easy. successful encounter. Oh, oh easy. easy. Go. Well, you. I've already said it on air. It's Mysterio. It's the greatest scenario ever created. Now, is that what encounter means in this case? Scenario? That's what I assumed it was. Is that what you're we're calling that? Okay. Yeah, it wasn't detailed enough to really Sure. Okay. Okay, but other. if you want, if you want to say the other, we're going to go Mysterio with Iron Spider Sinister Six. Okay. Now huh. you have both. Okay. It's all I'm going to play from now on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. I um, I have I have mine. I'm going to go next here. Uh, and I took this as the most successful encounter being like just a one time sit down and play like a, my most enjoyable game here. And this was also with Mysterio, okay? Oh. Uh, okay. Using personal nightmare that comes with him and Rogue's Nemesis <laughs> Mystique. Playing with Board Game Lawyer. Sorry, guys. My wow. Star Lord deck. Wow, Mike. <laughs> where, playing with my Star Lord deck, where I Mysterio threw a whopping 43 encounter cards at me in only three villain phases. And then Mysterio still lost. But, uh, that was an insane game. That was so much fun. 
playing with Mysterio and Mystique with Star Lord. So. so did you sliding shot for forty three? Yeah, it was it was like two sliding shots for twenty or something at the end. It was insane. Uh, you can go back to our. Uh, YouTube channel. You can look on our playlist. It's under the week six for MCM organized play challenges. I'll link it down below if you haven't watched it. Uh, it was so much fun. And just watching Mysterio and Mystique just pile cards on in Star Lord, just take them. It was a ton of fun, even though Star Lord did win. So. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. It was, it was great seeing the screenshot that didn't fit the cards. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wow, that's impressive. All right. That was insane. Um, Wow. All right, what's yours, Daniel? Well, I really like the one where you're running down the hall and six different dudes are beating on you. Okay. I think, really? I, I'll tell you why I think it's most successful. I think it's most successful thematically. I wish it were also equally successful mechanically. Mm. And, and we talked a lot about it. We've already, we've already discussed this one and all of our opinions on it. I think, I think like... Nor- the Norman, the first Norman Osborn one, a tweak or two could make it absolutely incredible. Right. Um, as we discussed. But I love the idea of that gauntlet, you know? It's just sort of like, because it's he- it's heroes on the run, and I love that. It's the same reason I liked Collector 2, ultimately, right? It's like, it's a different way of winning. Different um, story, like, different like story, Hellas. Like, yep. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like, you're trying to get out. Like, you're sort of like you're playing from like a, a position of fear, not necessarily a position of like we're heroes, right? You're like you're high tailing it because you're getting your butt kicked. Um, it's just like all the scenarios that have a great idea, and this might be something we should talk about at some point because there's a couple of scenarios that have a different way of winning and all those kinds. Of, they have really cool ideas. There's just something mechanically that keeps them from working because people can game them. Yep, and. Coming up with ways to prevent that might be the next the next new wave of errata that I want to see. Okay, cool. But I love it in theory. I love the idea of it. Uh, you know, these things jumping at you over and over, and the moves around. Love it. All right. Uh, next, next. Here's a fun one. Daniel is going to go first on this. Yep. Uh, what gimmick should get a second chance? Um. Well, I kind of hinted at it just now, in a sense. Uh, Norman Osborn, the idea of a villain with an alter ego. Okay. Yes. Um, they have them in the stories. They should have them in the game. Um, I, love, I love an alter ego and a villain that are each trying to do a, a little something, something. And maybe if they could even win in two different ways, that would be cool. Um, but I like, I like the idea of the encounter set or the villain can win more than we lose. Does that make sense? Like they're trying to do a thing and it's, it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, already it's sort of like their, their main agenda cards, but something about other things that they're trying to do is really cool to me. So that's me. How about you, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> folks might think that I was going to say encounter cards in the player deck, because that is a big part of why, Mysterio paces so well, uh, but that's already been done in Mystique, and then we saw what Starlord did. So I'm going to go with vehicles because we saw them once as spaceships in Galaxy's Most Wanted. There's oh, lots okay. of vehicles. Every every team has a vehicle of some sort. The villains all have certain things. It offers lots of options. the The idea of having the 
the ship that the first player could do and the team would have to figure out amongst themselves who gets the benefit this turn just opens up neat possibilities. And if the villain has fun stuff too, all the better. Yeah, nice. And you, Steve? Uh, for, so for I have a villain and a hero option. Uh, for villains, I'd love to see more special encounter decks. Like we have Red Skull Sides game deck, so we need somebody's all minion deck, right? Like uh, a deck just, just loaded with minions and something happens and they all just pop out and attack you or whatever. So mm-hmm. I'd love to see more little side decks like that that the villain might have. Um, and then for the hero, I'd love to see some more press your luck sort of stuff. Uh, not necessarily like more encounter cards, but they sort of showed this with uh, Archangel coming up where his hero card has a what is it a hazard icon on it or something like that so i'd love to see more of those cards that you want to have but they do something bad for you also like right. the venom the venom suit the venom ally that kind of stuff oh yeah so, yep that's great it has an acceleration just... icon by the way no oh, what yeah there you go um all right so the next question is which minion should get upgraded to a villain I've been saying this one since the beginning of the game. Madam Hydra. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And Mystique. Yeah. Having just researched Mystique for an upcoming show, um, I love her. I think she's great. I can't believe she's not a villain. Yeah. So there. Those are mine. Mike? I was going to go with another Madame. Madame Mask. Hmm. Okay. I don't know too much about her. I mean, she doesn't have superpowers. Uh, <laughs> but she's she's very strategic she's got lots of clones or robot clones or something um i think i don't know she seems like the the type of villain who's not just hulk smash or abomination smash right i think you could do something neat with her uh that or if you, you want to go that way thing, right? hmm? i thought you were gonna say the white rabbit i don't want the white rabbit that would just be disturbing <laughs> <laughs> I, my second my runner-up was the kraken oh <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> I mean, if you wanted something really big, you'd have the Kraken yeah. with his cultists, and yeah. yeah. Who's the guy in the Potomac? He'd be good then. The sleeper. The sleeper. Yeah. All right. All right. So mine is recently eroded. The mental organism designed only for killing. Oh. Modok. We need nice. Modok and aim. We don't have any aim cards in this That's game. That's true. Like huge, huge piece of the Marvel, you know, mm. there. so. Uh, Modok and Aim would be great, uh, and if not, uh, Doc Octopus. I think he's a huge enough character. He should yep. have his own scenario. So we don't even have a Brodoc card yet. Brodoc, Brodoc. Oh my yeah. goodness! I remember the, bio, the biorobotic organism designed solely designed only for kissing. Yes. Oh my. He gosh. was in one issue of the West Coast <laughs> Avengers. Oh my god! Wait, Mike. He was a surfer dude with a big head. This yeah. is another one of your pranks that I'm going to nope. read on here. No, nope. he's legit. He's legit. Yep. Wow. I like that. I'm going to um, keep bringing him up. <laughs> wow. Um, All right. Should we move on? Yeah, we'll move on. All right. Uh, that question was posed to us. Should more of the spend resource type to remove cards require printed icons to remove? Yes. Great question. Okay, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yes. No, I, I think being able to use a wild is nice because what else are you using a wild for? But I think they should more of them should say 
bend them from your hand. So you can't use those resource generators for them. Oh, yeah. Good one. Uh, okay. I feel like we disappointed whoever asked that. That's a good yeah. Sorry, folks. <laughs> yeah. All right. So four scenarios with multiple villains. Should mm-hmm. they all be able to activate instead of just the active villain? What are the rest of them doing? Well, clearly this person hasn't played the old RPGs. They're waiting their turn. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is a turn-based game. <laughs> I say, yes, they should. Wake up, you lazy bums. What else are they doing? Yeah, it's true. I mean, we could we could fix that with one card. We could have, like, a, a guy with a big whip, and, and his text could say, force response, whenever a villain attacks, every other villain attacks. There you go. Done. One card fixes everything. <laughs> well, It'll be Steve with a whip. <laughs> where there's a whip, there's a way. Good old classic Tolkien song. Tolkien right. song, yep. Yeah, definitely what he wrote. Where there's a whip, there's a way. Where there's a whip, there's a way. well i wouldn't i think it'd be very hard to manage super fiddly but it could be nice in like a multiplayer game where Different villains are activating against different players somehow. It's the, well, you know, I guess what you would have to do is sort of like the Kang way of right. Each villain engages a separate hero, so would, that would be cool, yeah. right? Like that, you sort of neat. have your own villain and that villain's encounter. Like if Wrecking Crew, for example, didn't have active villains, but like in a four-player game, like the, the beginning of the hero phase, each hero selects a different villain to be up against kind of thing. That could be cool that you're sort of mano a manoing the bad guys, but Yeah, you take out the wrecker, I'll handle Thunderball, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, yep. I don't know how else you do it other than creating your own staging area, sorta, as it were. Now I want one of you smart guys to make that scenario where you do that. Crickets. Well, you weren't. Yeah, I was gonna say you're not talking to us. So I am talking to you, the right. guys who make cards. So, uh, favorite. <laughs> I was gonna move on. Uh, we are asked about our favorite nemesis. So, who are oh. our favorite nemesis for theme, for power, that kind oh, of thing? God. Right. How I mean, far back are we going? Yeah, I'm gonna need a moment to look back at the nemesis sets from this. Okay, I'll give you two. You guys know what I'm going to say for theme. You already know. Okay. Magus. Yeah. Now, okay. Let's go with which one I want to see against the heroes more. It's the Green Gobbler. Ah, nice. He's good. For getting rid of all the tokens. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So for theme, I ranked mine uh, a couple different ways. Theme, I love Spider-Ham's Green Gobbler. He was right on my first. That was the first one I wrote down. Uh, But I really liked Thor, like Loki's. Nemesis. I thought oh, he yeah. was great. He's good. Theme. And then, how could I not say LL Cool J, the living laser for War Machine? <laughs> um, awesome theme. Uh, uh, Amazing yeah. theme with the light show and everything. Really fun. So, so for power, though, I 
Joe's Quicksilver Avalanche. He's got a ton of yeah, Avalanche is a lot great. of excise. Yeah, he's a really powerful. And Valkyrie's Nemesis that just devastates her. She is so good against Valkyrie, who already kind of is hard to use. Uh, her the Enchantress versus yeah. Valkyrie is just great. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the most powerful out there, or one that is a game changer in a lot of ways, Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's fun. Now I'm not sure if we're allowed to talk about her, Steve. Sure, we can. Um, <laughs> but oh my goodness. So I've played a lot of Phoenix when she first came out, and like I did not like seeing Shadow of the Past. It scared me. Yeah. And yeah, then theme wise, theme wise, I love how Nebula and Gamora are each other's nemeses. Yeah, that's a ton of fun. I think that's great. I love it. I love it. If we had to choose a nemesis set to get redone, I would love it if they redid Doctor Strange. Because mm-hmm. Baron Mardo is like nothing. It, it impacts him in almost no way. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, uh, The Prowler would be a good one on that list. Yep. I'd almost like to see Ironheart's nemesis get done as a regular modular modular set with Lucia Von Badass. So yeah, yeah, yeah. she's she's a fun set. It's just you don't get to see her often. So I mean, there's been a number of uh, heroes who were like, "Why on earth is that their nemesis?" Right? And so yep, um, like Spider and things like that. But all right, well, that's a, like all the questions and whatnot. So we just want to talk a little bit our thoughts. Uh, the state of the game, our thoughts heading into mutants, what we're excited for, that kind of thing. Uh, sure. So we have finished Sinister Motives. We're going into the mutant wave. We're going into X-Men with Mojo and Mutant Genesis. And Next Evolution is on the horizon. You know, we'll talk about in a year. Uh, <laughs> is that the thing that is called X-Factor or X-something else? Yeah, the X-Factor guys. Yep. Okay, yeah. Uh, right. What? Let's talk about where we're at now. How is the game? What do we are we still interested? Is it fun? What what's the state of this game for you right mm. now? Mm. Well, I'll start. Um, just this last last weekend, uh, Becky and Andy and I we got back into our our uh, campaigning, and we got our our butts kicked by the Sentinels, and that was great. Um, so I still think it's super fun. I'm having a blast. There's so much stuff now that you really can make the game the thing that you need it to be. I think if you're a really good player, you can challenge yourself. Uh, yeah, just the levels of of gameplay that are allowed is it's really significantly awesome. You know what I mean? Like, I need this particular challenge, or I'm like, I want to try a deck against this particular kind of thing. The card pool is such that you can basically make this game whatever you need it to be, and I love yeah, it. That seems fair. I agree. There's a ton of customization that you can do. Hero decks, I think there's so many cards. You know, for a long time, it was sort of, here's my aggression deck, and it was the same thing, no matter what you put it in. But, like, you can really change things up, I think. Yeah, and along those lines, like, the staple cards are not quite as... Stapley? I don't know. Intrusive as they are in other games. What did you say, Mike? Stapley. Stapley. Yeah. Like... I don't think every yeah. every aggression doesn't need combat training or doesn't need, you know, like... Right, you're not putting Avengers Mansion in everywhere like you right, for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that speaks well of the game uh, about 
they're not necessarily being a power creep, but uh, just different choices and different options. It's still having fun. So I, I'm enjoying, I'm still enjoying everything where we're at. I'm looking forward to moving forward with the mutants. But um, Mike, what, what about you? What do you think about where we're at? It'll echo, echo what you guys say. Um, the hero cards, I mean, they're at, it's at the point now where the, the amount of heroes is starting to overload me. So, uh, I mean, the encounters are still rather very interesting, and I'm still excited for the X Factor stuff. Mutants, man, but the X Factor stuff looks pretty cool. Uh, and I, I will admit that the heroes actually look pretty good in that box, too. Uh, yeah, we'll see. The game's still exciting me, right? So if, if the hype's still there, then I'm still in it. Yeah, you can get a little hero overload. You're right. There's like how many 40 plus heroes out there? Uh, we have this odd soft reset, let's call it, where we're going into mutants and we've got a bunch of reprints, right? Like we have endurance with new art on it. So it feels like we're at this point where you can start with X Men or stop before X Men. It's this weird, weird piece where like i want to build x-men decks but i don't really want to use avenger cards or champion cards i just want to build x-men with it so that's an interesting place to be not that you can't just mix the whole card pool together and have these great decks Um, that for a little while to be honest that for a little while was a little overwhelming it was like boy i gotta just make mutants with mutant cards uh and only play with the cards that came in the mutant box but I kind of put that restraint on myself, and I don't need to do that. I, I fall. Into oh the, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I fall like, well, I'm just going to play the hero I'm comfortable with. So I'm going to go back, and I'm going to play Star Lord again, or I'm going to play Rocket one more time, or I'm going to dig out Iron Man just to make mm. Daniel upset or whatever. But like, <laughs> uh, even though he's not, you know, it's a solo game, he's nowhere near my kitchen table. Yeah. I'm just going to do as it long as your intentions are pure. Everything right. Fine. Oh, good, good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had to make myself for a little while, like just. Try the new guys. Play the new guys. Oh, and they are—they're fun, and we'll talk about them going forward. So, yeah, it's an interesting spot for new players to jump in. I think it's a good spot for players to jump in because they can get a core and they can just buy mutants, and they don't have to go back if they don't want to. And but they but they can, right. and most people seem right. to do that anyway. I don't think, and and I don't think the decision to do that is as devastating in terms of like power decks as it might be in other living card games. Agreed. You know, like, oh, well, you'll never win if you don't have the Nova box with the head that one card in the right. back. You know, like, I, I think you really can do a corset for all the stuff you need in the corset. And then I'll go X-Men and then I'll do that wave. You'll be fine. You'll be absolutely yeah. fine. That's a great point. I hadn't really considered, like, because, you know, they're yeah. reprinting the Lord of the Rings stuff. And you're talking about, oh, I can play against Cardoom. But I don't have key cards for my dwarf deck or my this deck or my whatever deck because yeah, I haven't reprinted them. You know, yeah. that does not happen in this game, I don't It think. doesn't happen. It's because of Mike saying that the staples aren't the stapley. Right. And each yeah. hero has their kit. Like, the best cards a hero has are generally their cards. Yeah. Full Blast is a Cyclops card. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to hunt down Full Blast by buying a Thor pack that you don't really want. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can't find or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, like each of the waves is, is set that way, right? And like, well, I really like, I like spider people. All right, well, there you go. You know, yeah. it's the same, it's the same thing. And, and the designers, I think have been really great about like theming their cards in the waves, if that makes sense. Sure. sure. Yeah. So, yeah. 
you are not forced to buy a whole collection for a card in a random scenario pack or something. You know, that said, it's nice to have every card. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's nice to have a big fat collection in the basement. Um, yeah. Yeah, bust out those cards and use them. Yeah. That's right. All right. Well, I mean, if you guys have anything else to add about moving forward or looking uh, looking ahead. I, so, you know, both of, well, Mike for sure has said, you know, Mike, you're, you're not all that excited about X-Men and mutants and all that stuff. And I get that. But I had never really heard of these things until 1980 something something when TSR had, you know, they obviously made D&D and then they made a game called Star Frontiers and I played a lot of that. But then they also had a role-playing game about superheroes. And it might have been something like Villains and Vigilantes or something like that. Or just and Masterminds. Or, or it was actually just Marvel superheroes. But anyway, the whole point was, I never heard of any of these guys. The first superhero I'd ever heard of, other than like the people you know, like Superman and Spider-Man, like, was Wolverine. I'd never, I'd never heard of anything. And then there's the X-Men. And... In this game, they were featured quite highly because it's a Marvel-specific thing. Um, and you got to make your own superheroes and their strengths and weaknesses. It was a fantastic game. It had a great core set. Um, but yeah, I remember like playing that in 1983 or something. And like the Marvel, the X-Men were a big part of that game. And so... I've had this you know, discussion before. <laughs> To see so. Wolverine is fascinating, you know? Like, he yeah, and I go yeah. way back. Yeah, I, I did watch the cartoons. I have the only comic books I own are X-Men, but I can't quite remember them. But, yeah, this is going to be fun going forward, Re- rereading and getting into the, the X-Men stuff. And I've already started doing my research for shows, and I noticed that there's less of the, the early comic book thought bubbles Uh where the hero has to monologue oh, for God. the reader through the whole thing. Yeah, because it's a team, and they just talk to each other. <laughs> They'd be like, go over there and push the button while I kill this guy. You know, it's like, oh, thank goodness. So, yeah, that part's really nice. But I'm guessing there's a telepathic hero that has the thought bubble that he communicates to other ones. I hope yeah, so. I, yeah, yeah, Professor X. <laughs> the, very, the very first X-Men, it is him. He's, he does say, now that you can hear my thoughts... I will not talk to you for the next 15 pages. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's yep. a point where he goes, now I'll speak to you because we finished yep. our training or something like that. Yeah. It's pretty good. I have one piece of, I don't know, business. I guess I just want to comment on before we get on to the next stuff. Our outro music. Oh. Uh, it is, it is a beloved piece of outro music. However, and there is some copyright issues with it. Oh. And yeah, it, we're not we're not being pinged or fined or anything like that, but it does, you know, YouTube when we post our videos does make an issue about it. It is the Doc Ock outro music that everybody likes. I really like it. So you may hear moving forward some different outro music uh, just so we can alleviate that with the Patreon and everything else. I don't want there to be any problems. So, so it's just going to be Zola from here on out? Yeah. Oh, I'm mixing it with just Mysterio. It's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Chaotic. Yeah. Mind yeah. meld. I'm, yeah. All right. I'm going to attempt to match them up, kind of, so it's, it has the same vibe. 
It's been difficult because I really just want to keep using it. So you might hear different music and know that you aren't going insane, and that's why we're doing it. <laughs> I mean, you might be or, going insane, but not. Yeah, I was going to say, if you are going insane, it's not because of that. It's not because of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, what? What's next? What? What is that over there? Is that a oh. Table? Yeah, so whenever we have guests on, I, I draw notes, and I throw them oh. in this pile. And okay. uh, I was going through the pile, and we had asked some guests about the future, which that might be now, won't it? Uh, so I like to ask guests, hey, wh- what are you excited for? Just You don't have to tell us because you're not supposed to, but I, what do you want us to, what are you most excited now, to see well, Mike, us open? You, Mike, you know that Ray Ray Mondo already knows these. Oh, because he's from the future. Because he's from the future, so. <sighs> it won't be a surprise for you, Ray Ray. But the rest of us, go ahead. Mike. I know, I metric, it's, it's magic. It's magic, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, forgive me. So, I say, what, what do you want us to, to see? What are you most excited for us to, to open up? And Caleb, when we asked him about, about a year ago, this would have been right after Christmas, he said that he, you know, that's what, half a year ago? And my been, timing's off. It's, when do, it's been a while. Yeah. Okay, so back in back in January, I think we had our interview with Caleb. And he said that he was most excited for the box after Sinister Motives. And that makes sense, because it's his Magneto box. That is his mutant genesis. Yes. Uh, now, the other one is actually still in the future, because I asked Molly Glover. And she said, now I have to try to interpret this uh she said after sinister motives there's a thing and a cycle then there's another thing and a cycle after that it's the last thing of that cycle (laughs) (laughs) okay so doing the doing the calendar if you carry the three yeah uh, you deduct for you deduct for kang and you add yep. in the quantum mania mojo is mojo a thing no it's not mojo because no, no. I, I, I see the oh. thing, and then the cycle. Yeah. So uh-huh. I, I think we they haven't shown it to us yet, but they will show it to us at the end of the next evolution. Okay, that's because so, it's like the last thing of the X Force cycle. I think that's the correct. X Factor. Yeah. Yeah. Doing the math, I think that's right. All right. So whatever. You know, I've been waiting. I've been waiting half a year now. I think you're going to wait another year. Yeah. Well, and I think Molly, it's, it's been a had, while. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, no, I did, I did her interview last was a, December. Was it a Villainous bit? Yes. It, it was, uh, it was either Villainous or it was a lead into our year end roundup. Uh, but the reason was, is because she had just done the art briefs for that. And she was looking through them and, uh, cause she's producer on that. And she was really excited for it. So, so you should be excited too. I am. Yeah, absolutely. I am. Yeah. And you listener. Yes. Don't disappoint yeah. me, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We need her back on the show, Steve. Yeah. Uh, that's a good call. Maybe we'll wait till that thing is announced yeah. and then we'll get her on. Yeah. <laughs> like, why am I on this show? <laughs> All right. Now, Steve, I remember earlier you said something about a contest. Wait, wait, wait. I think we have somebody locked in Spot World we have to talk to. Yeah, I was going to say, I need to stretch my legs. Steve, yeah. do you want to go for an adventure? Yeah, Daniel, stay here. Yeah. We'll be right back. Wait, what? Okay, well, uh, here we are in Spot World with Caleb. 
Hi, Caleb. Hi. So this is where you've been. Yeah, this is a nice place to hide away. Yeah, I like it. Um, Spider-Man can't sense you here. This is great. Yeah, Daniel doesn't know where we are. It's really nice to get away from him, too. <laughs> All right, yeah. so uh, it's it's been a little while, hey? It's been a minute, yeah. I think the last time we had you on, I asked you a question. I, and Steve, you'll have to maybe cut and rearrange this. But I, I asked you a question. I said, what are you most excited for us to open? And you coyly said, the campaign box after Sinister Motives. <laughs> and I guess now we know why. It's the Magneto box. Has it been that long? Yeah. I, I think it kind of has. <laughs> last time you were on was issue... Uh, 101, I guess. Uh, that's like 70 episodes ago. Oh my gosh. Yep. Well, for those of you who've been living on some other universe for the past little while and don't know who we're talking to, uh, this is Caleb Grace. And his name is on the box of the game that we talk about. Uh, so you you designed this along with Nate French. That's right. Yeah, the, the, the core design was done by Nate French, uh, Michael Boggs, and myself. That's and, right. Uh, and then Nate was promoted to executive game designer at the studio, uh, which was always the plan from the beginning of Marvel Champions. So Michael Boggs and I took over the development of the line. We we initiated sort of our leapfrog approach to the game, where you know I'm working on one wave and he's working on the next, and then when I'm done, I leap over him to work on the next one after the one he's working on, uh, and so on, and. Uh, and then Boggs, he uh, uh, he got married, and um, and there was uh, that's a whole story, you know. His his wife came to live with him, uh, and then COVID happened, and his wife decided uh, they decided it was like best if she moved uh, back home, and then he wanted to join her, and that took some time, but uh, thankfully he he was finally able to do that, and right around that time is when uh, Tony. Uh, joined the team, and there was a little bit of overlap there where um, there were three of us on the team again for for a brief spell, and that was exciting to have Tony working with me and Michael Boggs. Uh, gave Tony a great chance to get kind of trained up, um, and, and so he did the Mojo scenario with some help from Boggs, and, and Boggs did some initial design work for the Next Evolution box, which Tony then took over and, and uh, did all the... Um, like the fleshing out the designs and, and developing it and playtesting and all of that. And that's, that's kind of where we are now is now it's uh it's just me and Tony on the line. Oh, so you are still on the line. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a temporary departure you took. Yeah. Never, never actually departed. Uh, just, I had a little extra time. As I said, there was, there was this unexpected boon. It, what was sad, like, like I said, Michael Boggs was trying to relocate, to be with his wife, which we were all rooting for him. Um, but because of COVID, because of travel restrictions, like it just every time he thought he had his ducks in a row, they, they would move the goalpost. And so he ended up yeah. staying with us for like, I can't even remember how long it, it, it must've been almost a year, like longer than he thought he was going to stay. Um, and as a result, we had more people on the line for that year than we were accustomed to, which, which gave us the bandwidth, like I said, for Tony to do uh, uh, the Mojo Mania 
scenario pack, which wasn't originally on the schedule. It was like, hey, we've got another developer. Let's let's do a, a scenario pack. And then, pardon me, um, because Michael Boggs was there and he's he's so good at what he does, you know, uh, I was able to sort of hand off some things to him kind of briefly to go and work on a different project, um, the the deck building game that I created. Um, like Boggs made that possible for me to do that, but I was always in touch with the Marvel team, you know, so that I was always, you know, up to speed with what everybody was doing. And the plan was always then like, you know, once I launched that other game that I would be back on uh, champions. They just, gotcha. they just made you work on two games at once. It sounds like, well, it was actually my idea. I don't, I don't want to go too deep into that, but that was uh, the, the, the deck building <laughs> game was something that I, that I had come up with and that I pitched and it just, you know, it was serendipity that, that all the, the things lined up that allowed me to do it to um, without Marvel skipping a beat. Well, both both games are great, so I'm glad that worked out for you and for all of us fans of the games. Yeah, so, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, It was a busy year, I could say that. <laughs> it was a very busy year. <laughs> so if there wasn't any COVID, we wouldn't have a mojo pack? Uh, potentially, you know, like, uh, obviously, um, if, we, if the conversation, if, if it wasn't for COVID, could mean a lot of different things. Um, Dang. But it was really... I don't want to think about that world. Yeah, it, it was really um, the the fact that that Boggs ended up sticking around a little longer, and it just it just allowed us to uh, to do a, take on a little bit more, uh, and that was, you know, we made the best of it. You know, obviously he was he was kind of bummed, you know, that he, he wanted to be with his wife, and it was, um, you know, a, a real challenge. But at the same time, he made the best of it. You know, he was he's really a hardworking guy, even with one foot out the door, so to speak, he he was really making the most of it. And, uh, yeah, it was cool to see, uh, Tony come on board at that time and, and how the dynamic, you know, naturally changes because, uh, Boggs and I had a pretty good rapport by that time. I think we'd fallen into a pretty comfortable rhythm and then having Tony come on board, it was fun. Cause I know Tony, uh, and we go back away. So I was pretty confident that we would work well together, but it was actually really fun to watch Tony and Boggs work together and I'm glad that Tony had that experience to to work with Boggs while he was still here, because um, I'm sure he gleaned a lot from him that he just couldn't get from me because you know we're two different people. Right, right. Yeah, the the, the Mojo Pack has been great. Look forward to seeing the next Evolution stuff uh, that has Tony's name mm-hmm. on it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only the only bad thing about having Tony on the team is just you know. It's like the same thing about having Boggs on the team. It just makes me insecure about my stuff because these guys are just, <laughs> these guys are just pros, you know. They just constantly raise the bar for like, you know. Oh, look at that thing you did, Caleb. That's cute. Watch this. Like, oh, doggone it, guys. <laughs> you know, give me a chance. Hey, why do you think Daniel's? Why do you think Daniel's not on tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches sometimes working at FFG. There's a lot of really talented people that I get to rub elbows with, and it is. Uh, it is inspiring and intimidating all at once. All right. That, that's good for us players. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah. Honestly, I think that is what you want, right? Is uh, You want designers who are constantly challenged to be more creative and do better and come up with more outside-the-box you know, ideas because everyone around them is doing it. You, know? you, you don't necessarily want a studio of uh, everyone just kind of phoning it in, right? Yep. And then the LeafFrog model is interesting because... The player it means the players get back to back boxes that don't feel the same. 
just yeah. by nature. Yeah. Was that? Uh, I, I don't suppose that was intentional. It's probably just the way the development cycle works. Uh, right? Yes and no. I mean, there, there's uh, there was a, a, a very conscious degree of intentionality in that. Um, in that, you know, it, the way we chose to break that up. There's other ways that you could divide the labor. You know, uh, other companies, studios, they might do like one person's the designer and one person's the developer. So the designer's always creating the vision and coming up with the initial designs and then handing it off to the developer. In which case, I, I think you might see more similarity between each product because it's always the same designer. Um, whereas we didn't do it that way, right? We, we did um, two different designers. And, and the designer also develops their own products. So I don't design something traditionally and hand it off to Boggs. That was like kind of a one-time thing because Tony was on board at that time too. Um, but the rest of the time, it's yeah, it was a choice we made that we didn't want all our products to, to feel the same. I, I think even as much as we push ourselves, every designer has certain you know, personality quirks or characteristics that kind of work themselves into the products that we make. We're starting to pick those up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that was the funny thing. Like I had a play tester, um, a good friend of mine, Mike Strunk, uh, back from my Lord of the Rings days, who um, he told me at one time after working with me for a couple of years, he's like, he's like, I can tell just without even, without even knowing whose name is on it, he's like, I can tell which ones are yours which ones are MJ's like you just design differently. Um, and that was, that was kind of telling, you know, kind of eye opening, like, Oh, I've got a, I've got a, a noticeable style. I, I wasn't even aware of that myself at the time. <laughs> Luckily that style's just great. Well, that works style, out. So. Yeah. I'm glad. Cause the, yeah, I'm still not <laughs> sure awesome. exactly what that style is, you know, cause it's just such a part of just who I am that it's not necessarily like a conscious thing. So, yeah, if it didn't work, that would be tough to figure out how to do it different. <laughs> well, we're talking about some styles and designs. Uh, I, I'm curious. So we we have like 40-some heroes and what is it now? Um, we're going into the... We are going to start talking about our mutant box and things like that. And we have all these campaigns and villains and everything. Have you found it difficult to create like unique player cards or encounter cards for the X-Men that don't just feel like a remix of Avengers or Guardians? I mean, how, how do you handle that history of game behind you as right. you Right, yeah, it is, uh, it is a challenge with any, with any card game that as it, as it grows, you eventually find out, okay, we, we've sort of uh, strip-mined this one area of design. We're going to have to find something else, somewhere else to mine. Um, but when you introduce like new factions, that helps to keep it a little easier um, because then the question isn't like, how are we going to make just new leadership cards, new aggression cards? Instead, the question is what do X-Men leadership cards look like? And what do X-Men aggression cards look like? Um, Of course, we always try to put in something that's there for everybody. Um, But overall, it was more about like, how are the X-Men different from the Avengers, different from the guardians, different from the champions and so on. I remember in the past you referred to that as growing horizontally. Yeah. Like yeah. Rather, yeah, rather than like power creep, just add new add new traits, add new ways of working with cards. Yeah. And, yeah. Trait based. I'm honestly just a little based. stunned that someone remembered that, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's that is very that is very true still. I'm I'm actually like just a touch 
proud of myself for for thinking that way because I do think when you start out as a, des- a designer, it's it's very natural to think about just getting more and bigger. It's kind of a it's a natural way to think. Um, but I I felt like I had enough experience playing different card games um, by the time that I started at the studio that I already recognized how always just trying to make things bigger and better, more cost-effective or more uh, explosive, over time will eventually, you know, um, bring a card game down. It'll eventually just, you reach a tipping point where the whole house of yeah. cards collapses. And, and so, yeah, I made a very deliberate choice. And instead of trying to go up, right, we go out. And we just try to give players different ways to accomplish the same things that keep the game feeling fresh. Now, the Marvel Champion seems like, it seems like a very difficult task for this one, especially going back to the the other games, um, the other co-op LCGs. Because Lord of the Rings, you had mm-hmm. what eight heroes in a cycle, yeah. and a hero is one card. And then Arkham Horror has what five characters per cycle, and again, that's like three to five cards. Whereas each hero here is fifteen, and you have. That that seems like a, a That's rather daunting challenge. To hear you describe it that way, because I actually feel uh, the reverse. Like I feel it makes it easier. Because um, as you're talking about the eight heroes or the five investigators, that just means there's more room in the pack that has to be filled with other stuff um, that that needs to be shared between heroes, between investigators, and it's that shared pool that you really have to keep a close eye on because once a card goes into that pool. It's part of it forever, and it can be used in anyone's deck. Whereas the heroes and their hero kits are unique to themselves. They're self-contained. And and so I don't have to worry about how does Spider-Man's web shooter work with, you know, uh, Cyclops' optic blast, because they never mix. Um, Which gives us a lot of freedom to do the hero kits. That's my favorite part, actually. I feel like like, I can knock out hero kits really fast. Like, once I'm inspired with, uh, I know this character, I know what I want him to do, this is going to be his gimmick, I feel like I can pull those together real quick. Um, it's the aspect cards that we have to think about for a while and say, okay, how does this fit into this whole large pool of justice cards now? You know, how does this one new justice card affect all these others? And that takes more deliberate thought. Right. So going into the mutant wave, do you think that you guys have accomplished that um, that horizontal build instead of adding like mutants with power creep? Do you think the mutants are suffering any power creep, or do you think we you've managed to keep everything sort of well, e- even up, you know, for the most part? And I'm, yeah, I mean, for like both heroes that's, and villains. That's kind of a tricky question because for me, the answer is yes, but there might be players out there who disagree and that you know they might say it's too strong or it's not strong enough and i think it's because it just depends on play style and how you approach the game um but that was on my mind right as i'm as i'm creating the x-men i'm not actively trying to make them better than the avengers you know i'm actually more actively um checking my bias because i do love the x-men so much and i'm trying to just get honest with myself and and step out of my fandom a little bit and be a little more objective to say, okay, Caleb, we know you love the X-Men and we know you want them to be good. Now, are you making them too good? You know? Um, but overall, my main goal was just like, I want the X-Men to feel like the X-Men. 
And and in my opinion, that's teamwork. That's the thing that they always excelled at over the other teams was that they live together, they train together, like, you know, they have the danger room and that's such a big part of who they are. And they live in a school and they actually, like, take classes on how to do what they do, you know. Um, I just love how intentional they are about it where, where some other teams basically just kind of fly by the seat of their pants, you know. So my goal was... Uh, I wanted it to be fair and balanced as much as possible, but more than that, I wanted it just to playing the X-Men should feel like, like, you know, being the X-Men and working together as a team. So that's where, like, kind of the focus on keeping allies around a little longer came from, was this idea that... As- oh, I see. Okay. With the hit points and the, in the, with all their training. Yeah, that I'm trying to actually... I'm actually trying to build up my squad. All those uh, yeah. training. So yeah, that's that's where all the training upgrades came from, right? And the danger room will go and fetch those if you go to Alter Ego. So if you if you spend a little time training, then you can build up your allies, and they'll stick around longer. And and um, some of their abilities, they're not all enters play abilities. You know, some of them will will continue to benefit you from turn to turn. Um, yeah, like I I think uh, the the training upgrades and then the game time, right? That's a, a basic event so that you could play it with any of the training upgrades. I really like mm-hmm. that idea of like, okay, we've trained now and now it's game time. So you can ready an ally with a train and, and heal them and they can activate again. I, <laughs> to me, that tells a story that feels very authentic to the X-Men. Okay, so you really focused in on theme first uh, beyond like necessarily wanting just look at this cool card. Like you, you want a card that is going to mm-hmm. feel like the X-Men working as a team. Uh, yeah. That, that, I, I think you have succeeded in that, too. Um, I know playing X-Men, it does feel like I want to make an X-Men deck. I, I almost don't look back at some of the older cards. I want to look at just the X-Men stuff because it does focus in on that teamwork aspect and, and, and it has a different feel than some like some of the mm-hmm. Avenger cards or Guardian cards, even if they're not roll-locked necessarily. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> I, I do think subconsciously you made Magneto really good. Like really good is in really hard or like fun to play, bit of both. Uh, yeah. uh, re- really strong is what I meant, but uh, no, he's fun. I- I've only played him solo so far, which is a different beast. Yeah, I was gonna say that was not subconscious. <laughs> yeah. That was very, very conscious. He's the last. He's the last villain in the box, and his history in the comics is that you know he's one person who can take down whole teams of superheroes. So uh, I really felt like. You know, the greater sin is to make him too easy. So better that he be hard and, and fun to play against. And that's the that's the balance that I find challenging sometimes to strike is I want him to be hard, but I don't want him to be frustrating. Right? You should always have fun even if you lose. Yeah, to and you want to be able to say, oh, I see how I could do this. Let's try and build a yeah. new deck and try it again. And, oh, it didn't work yeah. either, but now I've got another idea and, and try it again. You want to keep coming. Yeah, or at least yes, feel like you got yeah. close, right? Like, oh man, we were so close. If you didn't draw it's that, it's always hit, a heck of a fight, him, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you have gone on record on this show telling us that Magneto was your favorite villain. So I want to know who who's your favorite X Men villain that's not Magneto. Mm, mm. Uh that that's less <laughs> yeah. clear. We can't ask you the um, easy question. <laughs> I, I have to think on that for a second. Yeah, because, like, Magneto's, like, the far and away, like, you know what I mean? Like, no one comes close. I'm trying to think of, like, my favorite X-Men story arcs, you know, and who were the 
the villains in those. And it, and it's interesting because sometimes it's not the villains that make the X-Men story arcs so memorable. It's it's the interactions between the team and what the team is going through, what the individuals are going through, and how they rally around each other. Um, gosh, what what were some great X-Men stories that I liked? I would say Mr. Sinister okay. is really up there. Um I'm thinking of like he he's been he's been behind some like really big X-Men events and and one in particular was um the Messiah Complex are you guys no. familiar with that no. story arc? That was a really cool story arc because I felt like you know X-Men like every other comic has its you know its highs and lows you know where when it when it's when it's high, it's just like it's the best comic out there, and you you, you can't get enough. And then sometimes it just goes through lulls where, you know, uh, maybe the team isn't firing all cylinders, or they just couldn't find the inspiration. I don't know what, but it seemed like the X Men had been in a lull, and then then out came Messiah Complex, where it built off all these stories that came before it. Long story short, the mutant population in the comics was reduced to like a couple hundred mutants. Everybody else was like depowered and not oh, a that anymore. one. Okay, okay. And yeah. so, yeah, mutants were like in danger of going extinct. You know, there was this really profound moment where like they boot up Cerebro to try to find the mutants. And, you know, the last time they did it, it was looking at like the solar system, just stars everywhere, little dots all over the earth. And then they boot it up and it's like there's barely any spots anywhere on the globe, you know? And, um, and then Messiah Complex is this thing of like a new mutant is born for the first time since this catastrophic event, um, and, and it's and its birth it's it shows up on Cerebro. It's so powerful, like the system like overloads, and uh, so the X Men are like, we got to go find this mutant. You know, we need to go see what's up. And when they go to investigate, like so, like some evil group has beat them to it and like terrorized the whole town. And so that just kicks off this whole event of like, there is a new mutant baby out there and all these different parties are after it. You've got the X-Men, you've got Mr. Sinister and his marauders, you've got the, 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 the humans that hate mutants, like the purifiers, and they want it, you know, every, everybody wants this child. And uh, so that's where the Messiah Complex name comes from. And it's, it, it's, um, it was brilliant. I don't know, I, I picked it up at a Gen Con, you know, and I like read it on the bus ride home. And that was just a really good memory. So, Mister Sinister was a big player in that one, and uh, I guess that's why my brain went to him for runner-up. Sounds nice. good. Yeah. Uh, for those who are interested, that's published around two thousand seven, two thousand eight, shortly after House of M. Yeah, yeah. House of M was the the big uh, event where where it ends with the, the mutant population uh, being decimated. All right. Should we? Well, uh, I guess the follow-up question to that is: uh, Has he? If I'm reading this right, Steve, mm. has this guy actually gone on record saying that Cyclops yes. is his favorite hero? Really? X-Men really? hero. The, ton- the Tony Stark <laughs> of the X-Men. He could have yeah. said Cyclops was his favorite non-Magneto villain, but he did. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so if you couldn't choose Cyclops, what would you say your favorite hero is? For X-Men. For X-Men. For X-Men. Yeah. Um, hmm. It... it... Probably would be Wolverine after that. Oh, fan favorite. Um, yeah, I know it's not a it's not a terribly original answer, but the reality is, like, um, in my opinion, Cyclops has all the best X Men stories, but Wolverine has all the next best stories. 
and he's obviously a very iconic character. And I love the way the two of them uh, play often against mm. each other. You know. Yeah, it's uh, that's a good one. <laughs> I like I like Wolverine too. So um, the the fun thing with Wolverine is us villains we can just keep beating him up and. He's like a fucking bag that just stands back up. He's a weeble, right? Wobbles right back up. We keep going. So he's great. Nice. Um, all right. So Cyclops, Wolverine. Uh, we have Colossus and Shadowcat, Gambit and Rogue and Storm. And all these great X-Men heroes that everybody likes to play. But there are some that are missing. Um, Iceman, Beast, um uh, can we've we've seen Angel has been spoiled and Psylocke has been spoiled or announced? I shouldn't say spoiled, announced uh, on the FFG page. Yeah. Can, can we hold out hope for some of these like Iceman and Beast? Like they're so iconic, right? Like, yeah, that's honestly the hardest part about um, you know this job. Sometimes is choosing which ones to do because they simply can't do them all at once. You know. Uh, and what's crazy too is when you when you realize like how many are missing, and the X Men itself was a larger than usual wave. Uh, we did eight heroes in the Mutant Genesis wave, where we typically do six. Yeah, that that was my follow up. I was going to ask you uh, how do you choose, and how did we end up with two bonus mutants? That's awesome. Um, oh, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. That was um, that was something I kind of pushed for. Um, thank you. <laughs> there, yeah, there was. Well, it's funny because I pushed for it, and then, um, and then I had to be the one to do it too. So I got to, I got to live with my decision because that was, like I said, it was a larger than usual wave, and I, I think we did extend the, 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 the schedule a bit to account for it. So it wasn't like, uh, like I'm not being a martyr or anything like that. Um, yeah, it was just really important to me that the X Men make a big splash. And that you be because they are such a team um, within the books, right? And the way they work together, that I thought it was important that there be four X Men on the day they hit the shelves, so that players could immediately, you know, play a four-player team of X Men. Yeah, that's a great that was a great call because I know we got it at our house, and it was like, all right, everybody pick an X Men and let's do it. And nobody had to be like, well, I guess I'll play Rocket again or something like that, right? That wasn't going to fit in. Yeah. yeah. It was a good decision. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah, because that that was just that was the whole idea. It was just we know um, from day one uh, of our uh, announcement at Gen Con when we first you know unveiled Marvel Champions, the the biggest question is when are the X Men coming? You know, so we kind of knew people had been waiting for this team for a long time, and kind of hoped that meant there might be some people that would you know jump on board. Um, with their favorite heroes, and so we just wanted to make sure that uh, you know we we put some extra weight behind it. All right, I will. Um, I'll cut you some slack and see if Iceman shows up. But if he doesn't, I do know where you live, and I'm coming after you. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, fair, 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 okay. fair. Yeah. All right, all right. It's always been my favorite since I was a little kid. So. You might get a cold reception. That's what happens. Yeah, that's what it feels like. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I'd like to dig into the box a bit more. So, this, okay, the first mutant box, and we got our five scenarios. We got Sabretooth, the Sentinels, uh, the the Team One, and Magneto. And uh, this this is sparking a memory when we talked with Boggs about 
uh, the Sinister Six, and we're like, did you just you know not have enough scenarios and you had too many villains? So you just threw a whole bunch of them in one scenario? Uh, is that what happened with the assault <laughs> on the school? <laughs> How do I get the blob and uh, Toad and everyone in this box? Yeah, no, that was actually, again, more of a decision based on theme. Because I think if you take any one of those individuals and make them a scenario on their own, it's far less exciting. Like, I, I imagine if you said, all right, guys, we're going to play Marvel Champions tonight. All right, I'm going to be Cyclops. I'm going to be Wolverine. Who are we going to fight? How about Toad? <laughs> Toad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was a good it, call. <laughs> I, I hope that Wolverine and Cyclops can take down Toad together. You know? um, so the thing with the you know the Brotherhood of Mutants is that individually none of them ever been that terribly interesting. But when you put them all together, now it's interesting because they they also work together, train together. You know they've been a team from the beginning, um, and so yeah, it, it was uh, it was a choice of like. They're a team in the books, let's make them a team in the game. Plus, it allows for more variations of, you know, scenario play styles. And, nice. and yeah. this is where you introduced uh, teamwork? Yes. Right? That's, that's the... Yep. Yeah. Um, and that, that seems like that's going to play nicely when you have these teams of villains, because you're talking about teams of heroes. So, mm-hmm. we're, we're, as yeah. a villain show, we appreciate that. So, there, there's always talk. There, there's already talk in the community about uh, doing some house rules for other villains that have been released and throwing in teamwork, like sure. the Sinister yeah. Syndicate and um, the Inheritors, and just sure the Masters of Evil. <laughs> the Masters yeah, of Evil. Yep, Sinister Syndicate. I can see it. Teamwork is kind of a brutal keyword, though. That's the thing is you kind of got to use it sparingly because uh, those extra activations. Those can really add up quick, you know, with the with the bad draw. Don't listen to him, kids. <laughs> <laughs> more quick strike, more teamwork, and we're happy on this show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this this box also did something new, and every box always does, but this one in particular really lets you bend the rules in terms of deck building because you've got yeah. the these rolls, and you can throw in cards outside your aspect right from scenario one. Uh, mm-hmm. How how did that happen? How did that come about? Because that's that's unlike anything we've seen so far. Yeah, that's that kind of co- goes back to um, I gotta I gotta follow Boggs. You know what I mean? It's like following Jimi Hendrix on stage. You know, uh, after he lit his guitar on fire. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, Boggs knew when he was wrapping up uh, the Sinister Motives that was probably going to be his last product. And he's such a huge Spider-Man fan. You know, he just really put a lot of passion and innovation in that product. And then I'm like, geez, I gotta follow that. And I had such a cool campaign um, that I thought, okay, what can I do that that um, won't be too much of a letdown from that one, you know, um, that feels authentic to the X Men. And so again, just the team being such a key part of my understanding of the X Men, I, I thought it would be fun if if each player could assume a role on that team, other than leadership, aggression, justice, but you know, maybe. Um, something that felt more uh, specific to the X-Men. Like, I think Brawler is one of the options, right? And, uh, like, I, I just remember Wolverine was always described as the Brawler of the team, or the Commander is, is clearly Cyclops or Storm, you know? And uh, so the idea was, initially, um, that that these roles would be a, a blend of two aspects. 
in, in their theme, in, in how they feel. And, uh, and then, you know, each one would uh, come with a set of five unique cards that you could get at, at once per game, and, and you use one of these. Um, you're encouraged to use it because uh, you can't save it from game to game. It was meant to help you play your role. And uh, that actually tested pretty well. Like, for the most part, I think people really liked it. But it was actually uh, Nate French when, when uh, we showed it to him. He, you know, he wasn't, like, hard on it. He, he thought it was pretty neat, but he didn't think it went far enough. Um, and, and one of the things he picked up on was he said, well, if these are a blend of those two aspects, is there a way we could make it, like, more personal, more um, unique, like, could people get access to those aspects somehow? And and so that's where that, that last piece came from that you mentioned kind of early on where the box allows you to customize your deck and break the deck building rules right from the jump. Um, that, that came out of that conversation with Nate where he thought, you know, like you're almost there, just take it a little bit further. I really like t- two, two aspects of this, this role building. I love that the cards are, the the roll cards you get are use it or lose it. You, you don't, right? They don't carry over from scenario to scenario yeah. like the ones from Rise of Red Skull did. And you would just sort of bank it until the end mm-hmm. and then use them against Red Skull, right? Now it's like you're incentivized to use it. Because I'm the kind of player, like when I play a video game, my backpack is loaded up with potions and junk that I never use because I might need it and I never use <laughs> right, it, right? right. I love I love that this makes me use it. Um, so you're looking for a time that is good within the game to use it, and so so that's great. Um, the other thing is that that being able to put in that off aspect card based on your role. Um, the, the three of us on this show we started talking about you know, we're going to play a campaign and what role you're going to be. And well, I want to be the brawler. Well, I I want this role because I want to be able to put in this off aspect card because it belongs to this role. So it really does create an interesting dynamic for multiplayer when you're debating on who gets what role because of that extra aspect mm-hmm. that you get to toss into your deck. Uh, it just it opened up a lot of conversation, which is always fun. Oh, that's great to hear. I had it go both ways for me. On the one hand, it's like playing solo. Oh, cool. I get to shore up the side of my deck and have a fighting chance against some of these more difficult scenarios. Great. Fantastic. It's a lever that you can pull. Um, on the other hand, you know, I pull out my deck and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. I have to go back and find my cards again and because I, I forgot I could actually put in another aspect. Oh sure. I didn't deck build for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Yeah, you have to make sure you're reading that campaign book really closely, you know, so that you don't miss that if you want to use that piece. So. Yeah, before you build your deck and go to your friend's place. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh well uh, what for you personally, what was the most fun to make for this mutants box? Uh, actually, the whole cycle for the whole cycle. Like hero scenario, just anything. You get to pick which one was the most enjoyable design process. Well, I think people are going to get tired of hearing this answer because it was it was always going to be Cyclops. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, honestly, that it just it was um, there was like a twelve year old me inside that was just so excited that I was designing a Cyclops hero pack and that it was coming together just the way I hoped it would and that people were enjoying it. You know, um, I feel like every time I bring it up, I have to 
to mention, you know, that uh, MJ hates Cyclops as a character, you know, and, <laughs> and probably the, the, the best compliment that I've ever gotten on any design was MJ uh, sending me a message after playing Cyclops and saying, damn it, Caleb, you made me like Cyclops. <laughs> well, it, Cyclops has a very sort of different mechanic with those upgrades that you put onto the enemy cards and the ability to go first all the time in a multiplayer game. Um, those are different things than we've seen before. Uh, and, and that's great. I mean, that must have been uh, an interesting development process or design process, or was it just something that clicked? Like, the the going first, yeah, the going first wasn't part of my design initially. That kind of came out of the playtest process. My my initial thing was I wanted Cyclops to be able to use the optic blast every turn. Uh, and this actually goes back to a video game experience that I had back in the 90s where there was like an X-Men game, and it made me so angry that I wanted to be Cyclops, but I could never fire my optic blast. You know, instead I'm punching and kicking bad guys, <laughs> and you got maybe two shots with your optic <laughs> blast, and you ran out of energy or something. And uh, I just found that so infuriating. Um, so I wanted my design to be like, you can almost always do it, but it had to be balanced in such a way that he wasn't just OP. And that's where the tactics came from, that... that um, you know, if you if you follow the comics, and one of the reasons that I like Cyclops so much is that is, well, he has this tremendously powerful optic blast that can like you know smash tanks and level mountains or whatever. Um, his real power is just his tactical sense. Like he's he's always seeing stuff before it happens, and he's anticipating the enemy's next move before they've made it. And um, and so that to me is where the the two of them come together, and that I got to play a tactic upgrade onto an enemy and now I can zap that enemy with my blast, you know, so that that's the balancing part is that I can't just zap people every turn. I got to play an upgrade on them first, but then the upgrade is giving me some benefit too. Um, so that was really fun. And then the playtester just noticed like, Hey, if there was some way that Cyclops could play these, uh, upgrades before everyone else took their turn, um, then they could get the benefits too. And uh, so we had some interesting like brainstorm sessions about that. And ultimately, uh, out of that, I came up with the idea that, you know what, he should really just go first every time. <laughs> just Because that's something he would do. He, he really leads from the front. Uh, it's a mix of being courageous and also being kind of bossy. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, he's uh, an attention <laughs> hog there. But yeah, that's okay. Most of these heroes are, so... <laughs> Uh, that it's a it's a fun mechanic, and I think that those upgrades that you those tactic upgrades that you put out there, those are going to be. I think people are always going to want more of those. Like, you know, we uh, people want more preparations, right? They want more of whatever the thing is that they like. So you'll that those can be those cards. You're like, well, we'll sprinkle in another tactic upgrade two boxes down the road or something. Yeah, kind of like um, after the core set. Everybody wanted more tech upgrades for Iron Man. Right. Yep. Uh, I, uh, the X Men stuff looks like it's gonna be great for us. We can't wait to get into it. Um, so let's pretend that you are a mutant and you have your own comic run. Who's your nemesis? <laughs> Who would be your nemesis? 
<laughs> I, I don't, it doesn't have to be a, a comic character. It doesn't have to be a real life person. Whatever you think is, uh, you know, however you like to answer. Oh that. man, um, I don't know who actually would be, but I, I want Michael Box to be my nemesis because that would be that would be unceasingly oh. entertaining. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good. That's good. Um, so follow up on that. So you've got your own comic run. Right, it's at Caleb X or whatever it is, and uh, are, are, are you a are you a lone wolf sort of thing, or are you a part of a team? And if you're a part of a oh, team, I better, which I team better are you be part of a team. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna need some help. Um, what team am I part okay. of? I I would be happy to join the X Men. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Apart from being feared and hated by everyone and like always in danger, you know, they got a pretty sweet house, you know, it's got a pool in the back, you know, they got their own jet, like there's some perks. <laughs> they're they're welcome on several Shi'ar planets, you know, like <laughs> that's legit something I kinda wondered as a kid after reading is like like um they were like friends with, you know, uh Queen Lilandria of the Shi'ar Empire. Like why not just relocate off Earth and go live somewhere where, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, uh, How do you put like, up with the it? The whole yeah. empire yeah. is a mix of different alien races. No one bats an eye at the the X Men when they're visiting, and it's like they got advanced technology and they got all these different worlds to choose from. Like, maybe just go live on a different planet altogether. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because right? home sweet home, Caleb. <laughs> home sweet home. <laughs> well, um, Mike, we have any other questions? For Caleb, uh, I guess we have one more on the list. Don't know who sent this one in. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. On on family game night, do you play your games or other people's games? <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I'm being outed. <laughs> like is this guy just a total egotist? Like is he just only play his own games? <laughs> do your kids know um, that other games exist? Yeah. So I have four children, and the two oldest are 19 and 18 and they live in Arizona with their mom now for the last couple of years. Uh, but we did used to have a lot of game nights when, when they were still the prior to COVID, you know, um, and we would play a lot of different games. Um, but what was funny is like a lot of times the ones they wanted to play, like were the ones that I was working on. Um, and more recently because my two youngest are, are six and eight. Um, you know they're not they're not playing a whole ton of different games just yet. So my 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 eight year old son Peter he has played my deck builder with me uh, a bunch of times. Um, he likes that one. Um, more recently he discovered Stratego and he really likes Stratego. So we've been playing a bit of that recently. Yeah. So it, it's a mix. But yeah, sometimes sometimes I think I do favor my own games just because I know the rules really well. <laughs> I don't. I don't have to go and read them again. <laughs> I don't have to read the rule book. <laughs> we, you don't have to feel bad about that because on my game night we play your games. So, uh, I, my uh, nine-year-old really likes the deck building one too. So we play that there and Stratego. <laughs> well, and it's funny because when when my two oldest were were barely more than eight, he would play Twilight Imperium. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yep! Wow! Yep! That was that was pretty fun. Uh, only a couple of times did my oldest daughter agree to do it, but when she did, she was 
really into it, and it was super fun. Um, she loved getting the speaker role and like reading the new laws. She would like stand behind her chair and tap on it like it was a podium, and then like read in her most proper <laughs> nice. voice. And then she'd like call the roll for like votes. It was it was awesome. That's great. Well, Kayla, it has been great having you here in Spot World, off to the side. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for the X Men wave, and we'll have to have you back on in a couple waves from now, I guess. Uh, we leapfrog. I was going to say, am I, I going to be back on in maybe another year? Is that it? <laughs> well, we'd love to have you come on and talk about Cyclops' nemesis sometime when we get to him. Sure. Um, which is Mister Sinister. Yeah, Mr. Sinister. That's, that's my Mr. runner Sinister. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, it'll take us a while to get there, but you know we'll be in touch. Sure. Um, but Mike, if we, if you and I jump out of Spot World and we leave him here, then we don't have to hunt him down next time. So, oh, we just... good point. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, whoop 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 whoop. Oh, oh. you guys? All right. That was good. Where did you just go? Spot World. What does that even mean? No. Oh, yeah, it's my new fun. favorite thing. It's great. Wait, there's a you guys just have another world. You what? Uh, yeah, I yeah. have some of these spots from the spot. What? I, you missed it. It's too late now. We can't like, go back. Two months ago, when I was hopping in while I was on vacation, yeah, I was in Spot World. Yeah, but that's not what your note on the fridge said. <laughs> All right. Uh, Wait, this is Steve. You know about this place too. Yeah, uh, I, I told you I know everything that goes out of the lair. So, so it's just it's just me. I, I don't it's just you. Yeah. Well, we'll bring you next time. Okay. Um, you guys promise? Because this is a little hurtful. Well, all you missed was our interview with Caleb. So what? Yeah, made a nice the little Caleb? sit down. The Caleb Grace. This little chat. Hope listeners enjoyed that. I know we did. So good times. Good times. Now. Steve, earlier, I just want us to forget this. Earlier, you said something about a contest. Oh, yeah. Or is that that. in Spot World 2? No, no. That's this is for everyone. Uh, Well, we're getting ready to go into our mutant wave. So, what better way to celebrate the mutants than giving away a mutant Genesis box? Oh, a kingly gift. An entire campaign box to one of our loyal minions. Daniel, I think you came up with the criteria, so I think you got to let the folks know. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, obviously, we love we love how creative you all are, and the stories you send us are so fantastic every time. So here's your question for this contest, folks. What public figure is probably a secret mutant, and how do you know? So that's it. That's the question. Which public figure... Probably a mutant. How do you know? Steve, how do they win? Well, click the link for the Google form, fill it out, make sure you put uh, contact info on there for us to get a hold of you. What we're going to do is the three of us will narrow down, we'll choose each of us, choose our favorite uh, response, and then we will randomly choose from those three. You've got one week from the airing of this show, and then we'll choose. That's a tight so, turnaround. It's a tight turnaround because we want folks to have the Mutant Genesis box in hand as we get going on the show. So you have a week to do it. I'm sure you can manage it. Um, mm, absolutely. Yes. And this box is provided by us. Just no, what? No, no loyal minions. Pat, this Wait. is us. 
This is us being kind. I know that's why you dock my pay. I don't yeah. like this at all. This is us giving our own stuff away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I thought we used to rummage through the minions' luggage and just give their stuff. We have, but we've done it so many times. The folks that come here, they've stopped bringing anything good. So, ooh, well, that is a long show. We are over an hour plus the Caleb segment. Wow, we are wow, like getting the two hour mark here, folks, or something. So, uh, thanks for sticking with us. And Mike, if the fine minions out there want to. Tell us about all the stuff we've talked about, their favorite scenarios, their nemeses, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. How are they going to do it? Hey, fine minions, if you want to give us your thoughts, you can email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook. You can find our YouTube channel or Patreon by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Big Foam Loaf, and Wandering Too. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Dr. Doom! I was a god, Valeria. I found it beneath me. I had to step away for a child thing. Um, Mike, what was yours? You could re- obviously edit this out, but um, if I had vehicles. something to say to it. Eagles? Vehicles. vehicles. Oh. <laughs> My eagles. Wrong game. <laughs> You can find us on Facebook or Patreon or <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> My computer's glitching out. The worst that. part is I'm like, I kinda hear this at the end of the episode, aren't I? <laughs> every time I make a mistake, oh god. <laughs> if I did it every time you made a mistake, the show would never end. That's true. (laughs) Now that's going to make the end of the show. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Guys. Um, You coming back?